Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of MTG Under the Hood. I'm your host Chris and I'm joined as always by my friend Joe. Hello everybody. So there's a lot to learn in this one and it's going to be a big lesson. And uh, yeah, so that's what we're going to be learning about. Learn and lesson. Lesson and learn. So with this new set coming out, I've been building a new deck and uh, I'm repurposing one after talking with Joe here, and it's going to be. I, I'm going to be taking my Lutri Spellslinger deck and be modifying it into a Gazelleth, uh, Gal, a Prismari Voltron. <laughs> uh, going to be building a Gazelleth. I think we just found our, our little, like, intro music right there. Right before the intro music, Chris, trying to say Galazeth. Galazeth Prismari Voltron Spellslinger Commander deck. And the whole concept is because uh, Prismari um, lets you tap artifacts for mana to cast instants and sorceries, it doesn't say that it has to be... It, it just says artifacts. So what I'm going to be doing is... Going to be suiting up Prismari in a whole bunch of... With a whole bunch of equipment. And then I'm just going to be turning around and using that equipment... To just tap it to act as mana rocks. To cast big splashy spells. And there's only going to be like three or four, maybe five creatures in it. And it's just going to be fun. Still trying to hammer out all the details and figure out what I want. But... It's going to be fun. And Joe, I hear you have some news. I built a Super Friends deck. Welcome to the dark side. We have cookies. So you probably are not aware, but Chris and I have had this discussion quite a bit. I have an extreme loathing of Planeswalker cards. Mostly because of the entire flavor of the game of Magic. I've never been a huge fan of the idea that you are supposed to be a planeswalker and your opponent is supposed to be a planeswalker. So there are two planeswalkers battling it out for supremacy, and yet you're going to summon other planeswalkers to your side. That just feels like ganging up on your other on your opponent. But I digress. That's a that's a rant for another day. I managed to find a copy of Atraxa. A long time ago, and for those of you who don't know, uh, Atraxa Praetor's Voice is a rather big, splashy creature. Go look it up. Um, but Atraxa works really well because one of her abilities is at the end of your, or sorry, at the beginning of your end step, you proliferate, which is just a natural way to quickly add loyalty counters to your planeswalkers. I had not really wanted to do it but at the end of the day I just couldn't resist and so it's built it's ready to go and the next time we get the commander pod together be prepared to fight super friends note to self throw an ender spell yep Chris now that we've talked about our decks and what we're what we're working on let us know our words to live by for this episode so the first one that we're going to talk about is alpha strike uh, this usually refers to an all-out attack in which player thinks that they have enough damage on the board to, you know, win the game and everything. And usually, and it will most likely result them in being defenseless the next turn if it doesn't work. 
So alpha strikes are meant to be, if someone's going for an alpha strike, they're just going to turn everything sideways and swing with everything they have. Um, one good enabler is Garrick the Wall, uh, Garrick Wall Speaker, the first mm-hmm. iteration of Garrick, because yeah. his last ability is he gives overrun to everything. Right. So plus right. three, plus three, and trample. So if you have a bunch of bodies on the field, that adds up really quickly. Plus you throw on the trample, so you're going in for the killing blow. You're just yeah. trying to get in there and just be decisive, quick, and just get it over with. Um, but downside to that is you're defenseless. So if they pull out a, you know, if they fog or darkness or just holy easily day, could, yeah, if they just get rid backfire. of all the, if they <laughs> negate the combat damage, well, you're now wide open for an attack and yeah. it could easily swing the other way. But that's Alpha Strike. Joe, what's yours? The other word to live by we have is pips. Pips has to do with the mana value of a creature. When you're looking in the upper right-hand corner of a card, every card has a casting cost. And so when we say pips, it refers to the colored mana symbols in the casting cost of a card. So for example, if you see the casting card as two colorless green green, the pips would be the green mana required to cast that spell. It's important that you understand pips and really how many pips you have in a deck because during deck building, you want to make sure that you can cast all of your spells efficiently. So if you're running a monocolored deck, the number of pips you have in any given spell doesn't really matter. You're running all one color of mana. But if you're running a two or three colored deck and you start throwing cards that have two, three, or if you're really brave enough, four pips of a single color into that deck, it can become extremely difficult to cast that card. So you always want to pay attention to the pips. Make sure you know how many pips of each color are in a casting cost, and you'll learn through experience what you can play reliably, given the number of colors you're playing in a deck, and what is just extremely unreliable. Um, and just probably not going to be cast efficiently on a regular basis. I actually use pips whenever I'm trying to figure out my mana base for decks. Always Because I will actually sit down and count all the different color pips and I have my own little system. Yeah. That actually works out pretty well where I will count out each color of the pips, see which one is more dominant, and then as I'm putting together my mana base, I'll be sure to favor that side. Um... Like, I was doing it with my uh, Galazeth Prismari deck. You got it! There we go! <laughs> Had to stop and think. And so, like, as, I was, as I'm was, as i building the mana base for that, I'm my rough draft of this one right now, at least, I, ha- I sat down and counted out all of the mana pips. And there's a lot of them, given that, you know, it's a commander deck. And so I was like, okay, um, I think... My surprisingly in a Prismari deck, my reds are higher. I have higher red than blue. Hey, sometimes well, that's just the way it works. Well, uh, yeah, and, but if you're going, is it usually it's the other way around? So. Sometimes it's just the way it works. And so I noticed that I have more red than I have more red than blue pips, and so I, whenever I'm building my mana base, 
I made sure I always try to start out as equal as possible. Like I start out with equal lands, and then I'll take one out, put one yeah. in, and to mm-hmm. till I feel like it's um till I feel like it's a good spot, and then I'll kind of play test it a little bit, and then go from there. But pips pips are really helpful to me just because it's really easy to. It helps me visualize the deck in right. a different right. and way. And you'll just hear that word quite a bit when you hear people talking about deck building. Yeah. So Let's move on to our focus for the show, Lesson and Learn, the new ability from Strixhaven. Chris, tell us a little bit about it. So first and foremost, uh, this is going to be a little different of an episode because we're dealing with the Learn ability and the lesson card type well subtype of a card so it's going to be we're going to be trying to focus on two different things at this one but they both debuted in Strixhaven um and it's kind of an offshoot of wish cards uh from the earlier sets being able to pull something from outside the game particularly sideboard um Karn one of the old card Karn cards could uh, do it. I think it was right. the War of the Spark one. Yeah. And then there were a couple other cards here and there that can pull it. So it's kind of... So it opens up the possibility to try and change the dynamic of exactly. the game by pulling something from outside the game. Yeah. Well, and make no mistake, even though we are talking about two different ideas here, they are extremely connected. You know, and, and so that's why they are going to be in the same episode because you, you can't get a lesson card unless you learn. Well, you can't get it from your sideboard unless you like Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, with that all the way, let's learn about the rules. All right, everybody, here we go. Rules time again. So, the rules for this one are going to be a little bit different. Learn is actually a keyword action, all right? And it is a, a keyword action is a single word that's provided to describe an action the player is going to take. So I've actually included the rules real quick for a keyword action. This is 701.1. Most actions described in a card's rules text use the standard English definitions of the verbs within. But some specialized verbs are used whose meanings may not be clear. These keywords are game terms. Sometimes reminder text summarizes their meanings. And that is all stated under 701.1 just to give you some idea of what a keyword action is. So, the specific rule for learn. 701.45a. Learn means you may discard a card. If you do, draw a card. If you didn't discard a card, you may reveal a lesson card you own from outside the game and put it into your hand. And keep in mind, a lesson card is a specific subtype of sorcery card. In this case, they all happen to be sorceries from the Strixhaven set. But it's a specific type of sorcery card that you can put into your sideboard and you can go get it. And when they do say from outside the game, in most cases, uh, they are going to mean your sideboard. Uh, very rarely, unless you're doing just a casual kitchen table game and nobody cares, uh, are you actually going to be able to just go grab any lesson card you like have in a deck box over in the other room. No, it's, it's going to be from outside the game means from your sideboard. So, uh, like I said, a lot to go into it and we'll break down a little bit more learn and the different things you can do as we go on. 
Chris, let's talk about some of our featured cards. Alrighty, so the first one we are going to cover is Pop Quiz. Uh, this one is a learn card, so this is how you get to your lessons. Uh, Pop Quiz, it costs two and a blue. It's an instant, and it's draw a card and learn. Well, draw a card, learn. Two separate um, instances of text. Um, this one, you pay three mana, draw a card, and then you get to grab something. Or if not, then you get to uh, rummage. Yeah, the pop quiz, on its surface, it seems kind of overcosted, but especially if you're able to take advantage of that learn mechanic where you can go pick a specific card from your sideboard, that, that has some real potential to it. So, and you can draw a card from your library, too. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, there's different ways that you can go with this. I mean, if you have things that let you draw additional cards. If you're drawing cards, uh, right. I think, was it the Fairy's Tutelage or something like that? Mm -hmm. Where if you were to draw a card outside of your draw set, you draw an additional one. Well, you, with this, you now pay three mana, you get to draw two cards and grab something else. Exactly. And so. also, um, so one question that I have just now thinking about it. Because it had, because it says draw a card, then learn, does that mean you can draw a card and then discard it and draw another one if you learn so, off of the draw? Or is it because it's on the same card? So what happens, you, you always follow the text in order on the card. So first you will draw a card, then you will learn. So in essence, yes, you could, if you chose to use the discard then draw function off of learn, you draw a card off a of pop quiz first, then you do the learn. And if you want to discard the card you just drew to draw another card, you can do that. Granted, then you will not be able to get a lesson card from your sideboard. But you'd follow the text in order on the card. Yep, and we'll get to when you want to do that later, right. on, in the, yep. later on in the episode. And Joe, what's our next one? Our next card with learn is a creature. It's called Professor of Symbology. It is a core cleric creature for one generic and a white. It has power toughness to one. When Professor of Symbology enters the battlefield, learn. And that's all it does. It's a great little, you know, aggressive blocker that allows you to learn. And there's really not much more about it. I mean, being a 2-1 for 2 already, I mean, that's decent. You know, especially in today's world of magic, 2-1 for 2, not bad. And you get to learn off of it. So, I mean, not much more to say about that. It's pretty straightforward. I mean... You're pretty much trading that one point of uh, um, toughness to learn. Which yeah, basically. I which, I mean, turn two, you get to drop this and grab something from, grab a lesson to set it up for the next turn. I'm okay with that. Even, yeah. if, even if it's only a 2-1, it's in Lorehold color so you can bring it back. Right. So, well, and, and we're going to talk more about when we get our featured decks. Uh, one of them is using profess Professor of Symbology pretty frequently. So, Chris, what's next? All right. This one, we're going on a field trip. So, the card is Field Trip. It costs two and a green. It's a sorcery. And it has search your library for a basic forest card, put it into the battlefield tap, then shuffle. Learn. Um, so, this is a more focused cultivate it's a ramp card for three you yep. know pretty standard but you get the additional learn yep so like like i said previously you get to ramp and then 
you get to set yourself up for a later turn yeah. to potentially take advantage of that mana that you just got from the card. Yep. Don't get me wrong. There are more efficient ramp spells. So, you know, you're, I, I would only use it if you're going to draw a lesson card off of it. But mm-hmm. for that reason, it's it's still good. Oh, yeah. It, it'll yeah. definitely have a home somewhere. Yeah. Our next card is Eye Twitch. It is a an eye bat creature, which I think is the first instance of creature type eye. I may be wrong. If I am, listeners, let me know. I think you're right. Uh, but, yeah, creature type eye bat. It costs one black. It is a 1-1 one, one with flying, and when Eye Twitch dies, learn. Uh, this is another one. There's really not much more to it. You're just you're able to put it into play. It can be a, a cheap, efficient blocker for you know another flyer. It can be sacrifice fodder, and then when it dies, you get to learn. So pretty good, all things considered. I mean, it has good evasion. Even though it's a 1-1, but it's a 1-1 with flying, with evasion, with yeah. a death with, with a death trigger. Well, death ability, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know what I just thought of? Uh, Tesa. Death Harmonicon, so you get to learn twice. Right. You know, he's talking about Tesa Karlov. Uh, and yeah, you would get to learn twice, you know. Now, depends on... Uh, no, Whether that's only in modern because War of the Spark is rotated. Uh, she uh, sorry, well, she was Guilds of Wrath. Yeah, so she's uh, rotated out a little. She's bit. rotated out of standard already, but yeah, even historic still, modern. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would it would be a solid card there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Chris, tell us about some of our lesson cards. Oh right. So one lesson card is Inkling Summoning. Now this one costs uh, one and. Silver Quill, Silver Quill. So a white-black hybrid for both of those. It's a sorcery lesson, and it does create a 2-1 white and black inkling creature token with flying. So you're paying three mana to get a 2-1 flying token. Even though that may seem a little overcosted, like we're going to talk about in the featured decks... There is a reason that this card is being played, especially in the one that I absolutely love because it gets around certain restrictions exactly. on how you have to build it. And so this lesson is... Personally, I like it because... Oh, yeah. Token, I mean, token generation is always good. Mm-hmm. And usually it's all... It's usually sitting around the three. Like, three will get you one, and then four might get you two. Four or five will get you two, something like that. So it's take so it's kind of on par for what it's doing, and you're also getting a two one. So I, I still it's overcosted. It is, but I, again, you're you're not playing any of these lesson cards. If you're playing them as standard cards in your deck, you, you're you're making choices that no. need to be reevaluated. <laughs> you need to reevaluate those choices, or there better better be a very specific reason you're main decking these cards. You know, but. As a sideboard card, you know, where you get to pull it specifically and you know exactly what's coming into your hand, it's great. So, the next two cards we have are both colorless cards. And they're, again, they're both lessons. But the colorless cards we really wanted to bring out because the way Strixhaven was set up, 
the lesson cards that they have, there are, there are two per every main color, and then one for every hybrid color school, and then they had a bunch of colorless ones to make the lessons a little more adaptable to various decks. So the first one we're going to discuss is Environmental Sciences. It's a sorcery lesson for two colorless. It says, search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle, you gain two life. Pretty basic, pretty simple ramp card, gain a little bit of life. The other one we're going to discuss is Introduction to Prophecy. Another sorcery lesson, costs three colorless, you scry two, then draw a card. Again, both very simple, very just standard cards can go into just about any deck. Easy to use, always useful. I mean, who wouldn't want to scry two then just draw a card? I mean, especially in like red. Oh yeah. <laughs> Being able, if you're if you're running mono red, scry two, draw a card. That's that's great. For three, no, would not want to do that. But you know, if you have the ability to learn, get the lesson, and then yeah, that's great. See, I'm I really. Like, I love and also hate environmental studies. Um, is that what? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, environmental sciences. That's it. Um, I mean, it, it's on par for ramp. It's just that it's hand ramp. So Exactly. It's just, yes, you're going to be able to get a land. Right. But it's going to your hand. And also, but you do gain two life. So there's that. Um but with it being a lesson, meaning it's at sorcery speed, you can't, like, learn into it somehow, like, during your turn to get it. And then, because, I mean, if it was a sor- if it was an instant, oh, yeah, th- I would happily play a bunch of those. Oh, just yeah. Because learn into them and then second, and then, you know, before you're at the... Opponent's end step? Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Opponent's end step play that oh yeah now of course you know there's ways around you know sorcery speed but you know like the delkin orries and stuff but not in standard but not in standard and definitely not in strixhaven limited so (laughs) oh yeah like i i wish that they i understand why they did it at sorcery speed because Mm -hmm. they had to i feel like they did it that way to kind of limit how powerful they could be so there wasn't there wouldn't be too much of a power creep. Right. Which, happy to say that, in my opinion, Strixhaven didn't really have that much of a power creep. I mean, there's a couple of cards that are outliers. But, but not too many. But no, nothing it's, like it's, Eldraine. No. No. So, overall, there, you know, there's your, your basic cards to give you some examples of, of what these these abilities are like. And overall, they're, they're pretty good. You know, they're balanced and they, they all have their uses. Uh, the dominant colors for these, when we talk about our learn cards, we have four white cards, four blue cards, three black cards, five red, three green, one in silver quill, and one in witherbloom. The, they're fairly balanced. Red clearly has an advantage, but really not by that much. Uh, and for the lesson cards, Chris, tell us the distribution there. So for the lessons, there's... Two in white, two in blue, two in black, two in red, two in green, one in silver quill, one in prismari, one in witherhold, witherbloom, one in lorehold, one in quandrix, and five that are colorless. So, and again, we talked about that when we were talking mm-hmm. about the lesson cards. They wanted to make sure everything was a little equally 
represented. And no matter what you're drafting, you know, or what you're building from a sealed pool, you had the opportunity to really do the lesson learned mechanic it, with it being one of the dominant uh, mechanics of the entire set. All right, our featured decks. Now, I'm going to take the first one because I know Chris is really excited to talk about the second one. So featured decks, unlike many of the other mechanics we've discussed when, when we're talking about them in standard. So our set, our mechanics from Kaldheim and you know from uh, uh, Strixhaven, we actually have some cards that are being featured in standard right now, which is absolutely amazing. So the first is a Mardu Sacrifice deck. Mardu, if you're, again, don't remember, means the colors are gonna be white, red, and black. This deck is using the lesson cards to create tokens as sacrifice fodder. So it's actually using the eye twitch to come in, learn, then it can grab a lesson card. Well, the eye twitch has to die in order to learn. Oh, right, right, right. So the, the eye twitch comes in, you're right, because it's, it's a death trigger. So the eye twitch comes in, they can either sacrifice it or use it as a blocker. When it dies, it learns. They go grab a lesson card that creates a token. And then so they're able to just continue the cycle and grab additional tokens that typically would other ta otherwise take up card slots. Uh, so it's a pretty clever deck. It's not going like top tier by any means. But again, this is the first time we've been able to discuss lesson a mechanic actually having a chance in standard. So we're excited. Chris, tell us about the other one. So this is the one that I just perked up with and got su super giddy about because I love it. Um, and so it's a Boros Winota deck in standard. Um, Winota, join our forces. Uh, let me just pull that one up real quick. So Winota, join our forces for two red and a white legendary creature, human warrior, 4-4. Four, four. Uh, whenever a non-human creature you control attacks, look at the top six cards of your library. You may put a human creature card from among them onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. It gains indestructible until the end of turn. Put the rest of the cards on the bottom of your library in any order. So what this deck does is... It, a majority of its creatures are human, uh, but it's using the lesson cards to create tokens that are non-human to trigger uh, Winona's ability so that they can get those humans more efficiently. And I absolutely love that this deck exists because it makes it to where it's a lot easier to build around uh, Winota because of that because originally you would have to balance the number of humans and non-humans so that you could take advantage of it but also not like potentially whiff too hard right with it just makes it more efficient oh yeah know, it the it, whole deck overall it streamlines it a, a little bit better and I mean I have a Winota and with Paper Magic coming back and our where we are, restrictions might be lifting a little bit better, so we might actually be able to play in person. 
that might be a deck that you know we could act and, and and it's overall it's kind of affordable right now too it's not an overly expensive deck um granted it's not cheap you know but it's not an overly expensive deck to put together or you can find some cheaper alternatives for some of the cards you know so you're able to put that together and and, and have something that's viable if you want to go back to standard play plus I don't know if you've been looking. We're checking out a deck list right now. It doesn't feature a bunch of Eldraine cards. Yeah, I mean the Bone Crushers, but okay, I mean, but the Bone Crusher. But we're looking through a you know we're just looking through a standard list right now. And of that, the only Eldraine cards. Now that was an Eldraine card, Fabled Passage. It also came out in M twenty one. You know, but you look at it, it's really not a bunch of Eldraine cards, which is also extremely interesting and unusual. And again. It's still it's not a top tier deck, mm-hmm. it isn't, but it's an, it, it's clever and it's competitive and it's something that's different out there. So it's it's really fun and I I, I might actually try to build one of these and get back into standard play with it. So it just seems like a good good time. So now time to start to discuss playing with this ability and playing against this ability. Now real quick, there is a disclaimer. These are our opinions. They are meant to give newer players a launching point in deck building or experienced players a previously untapped perspective. Anything that's stated here should be taken with a grain of salt, and you should always build decks based on your favorite play style and how you want to. We're only here to give advice. Well, not really our advice. It's our opinions. Yeah, this is how we would view these different mechanics and how we would play against them or play with this ability. So... So let's start this off with playing with the learn and lesson abilities and structure. Uh, be sure that the lessons will be useful. Um, don't just throw a lesson in there just because you can. Uh, like with the Mardu Sacrifice, the lessons have a purpose, again, exactly. as well as with the Winota decks. Um Especially in drafting and mm. sealed tournament play too. You know, you want if you're doing limited, you want to make sure that 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 lesson card is going to take up a draft slot. You want to make sure that it's it matters. All right. Yeah. Um, be sure to remember to account for the overcosted mana for the lesson, because all of these lessons are overcosted. Um, so use your mana correctly and plan for them to be a little bit more expensive um plan for your plan your sideboard accordingly if you're using lessons you're giving up sideboard slots so you're getting rid of potential answers to problems so you have to kind of streamline your sideboard to kind of balance how many lessons you have and how many answers you have for games right. two and Three. Oh, and let's be clear, that really only matters in constructed play. If oh, yeah. you don't want a sealed pool or a draft, then all the cards you're not using in your main deck are your sideboard. Yeah. So it's really only in, in a constructed format where your sideboard is, is limited to 15 cards that you need to plan accordingly. You'll also want to carefully choose the lesson you want when you have the opportunity to get one. Um, Again, that kind of comes down to planning out your lessons, making sure that they work, and um, evaluating the game state. Which is the next one. You want to evaluate the game game state. Sometimes you will want to rummage rather than grab a lesson. Uh, For instance, if you don't have any lessons, just rummage. 
Or if you are, if you need to find an answer to something, instead of grabbing something, grabbing a lesson, if you can rummage to try and get rid of, you can ditch a a land if you don't need it. Mm-hmm. Discard a land to potentially draw an answer. Yes, you're only drawing one, but sometimes top decking wins. Sometimes you never know. <laughs> so evaluate the. The state of the game. See if it would be better to rummage or to grab a lesson. Uh, it, it all depends on how the game is going. No two games are the same, so just be aware of everything. And Joe, what if you're playing against a deck that's using lessons? Well, if you're playing against a deck that's using lessons, first plan that you are not only playing against your opponent's main deck, you're also playing against their sideboard. And that immediately gives them a bit of an advantage. So always pay attention for that eventuality. Keep in mind that part of the mechanic for Learn, when they go to pull that lesson card, they have to reveal it to you. They're not allowed to just put it into their hand blindly. So first, if they don't reveal the card, you need to make sure you call a judge, assuming you're at a judged event. You know, if it's casual play, just be like, hey, you're supposed to show me that. But call a judge and make sure that the the judge is aware they did not reveal their lesson card, and then the judge can handle it from there. But also, remember what that card is. You will have an idea of what your opponent plans to do, and it may not happen immediately. could happen a couple turns down the road, so always keep that in mind. Remember that learn is actually a triggered ability, because it starts with when, you know, when, whenever, and at. Those are your those are your uh, your triggered ability words that you need to pay attention to. Because it's a triggered ability, if you have a card that counters a triggered ability, you can counter learn. I don't know if there's a card that does that in Strixhaven counters a triggered ability. I think the last time something like that was printed was M twenty. I, I don't remember. Because that one was like an instant sorcery or... Uh, sorry, it was like an ability uh, or legendary. Okay. Something like that. Like, it was three weird combinations. It was like three three things that didn't seem to really fit together, and they, it was just a giant counter. Okay. But if you have a card like that that allows you to counter a triggered ability, you can counter the learn. Um, so just keep that in mind. Again, that's probably going to be more applicable in standard than limited play, but just keep it in mind. And of course, early in the game, you will most likely have time to react to a learn lesson you know, uh, combo. The opponent probably won't have enough mana to cast both spells on one turn, so keep that idea in mind of what spell did they pull, how can you react to it, all right? and react as best you can. There, there really isn't you know, a lot that you can do, because once learn happens, it, it happens, you know, and they're going to they're gonna get their choice. They're going to pull the spell, and then you will at least know what the spell is, so you have some time to react, but there isn't a lot you can do uh, once learn actually happens. So just keep those things in mind. It'll give you the best advantage we, we really think you can possibly get. So we've talked a little bit about standard play. Chris, how else are they using the learn-lesson combination? So... In other formats, uh, it's quite useful and limited, uh, just because with that you are um, 
the cards that you aren't using are still your your entire sideboard. So even though so you don't have to limit what you have there. Exactly. So it's quite useful there. Um, and it's actually seeing play in standard. You probably won't see it in other format archetypes, except there's potential for it to become more popular in those formats as a rummage ability. Maybe. 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 Yeah. Maybe. We really like, like don't know. Potential. Yeah. Potential. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, if we're right, you heard it here first. If we're wrong, um, well, we're meteorologists then. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but I, I agree with you. I mean, it, it's become extremely good in limited. I mean, being one of the featured mechanics of the set, you know, and, and especially with drafting and sealed play, having access to that huge sideboard makes a big difference. Um, and, and watching a lot of matches that have gone on, people are using Lesson Learn pretty frequently. But again, it's, it's a lot of what we've said before with these standard legal mechanics that have just come out they're just too slow for anything earlier than or anything past standard you know they're already format the, the format has already been established and it's just not going to shake it up that much it's not fast enough yeah give it give it a little bit till all drain rotates out and then then we'll see exactly wait till all drain leaves standard <laughs> yep <laughs> all right so we've talked a lot about lesson and learn today, and I think I hope we've given you some great information about it. We want to give you your extended reading assignment now. The extended reading is different for this lesson, uh, and it's definitely not going to be 10 minutes or less, sorry. But I think this is such an important bit of information, and it's so well presented that if you're really looking to get into this game and learning how it works, you really need to get into it, all right, and, and learn this ability or this, this information. The video is called The Power of Priority and the Stack, and you'll find it under the Command Zone podcast. Uh, Josh and Jimmy, the host of the Command Zone, actually went through and they discussed priority and how the stack functions in great detail with a judge as a co-host for this episode. It does get a little in detail, so if you're a really new player, you you might want to hold off on this one just a little bit and make sure you have a firm grasp of how the game functions. But if you've been playing for any length of time, I highly encourage you, go watch it they break down what priority means, when you get priority, and really how the game functions. The second half of the video actually walks you through a complete turn and talks about all the passes in priority from player to player. They give some examples, and it's just it, it's great to see these two guys, uh, Josh Lee Kwai and Jimmy Wong. They have been working together for several years now. They put out great videos about the commander format and this one is just such a great video because it applies to all styles of magic play all right so that's our extended reading like i said the video is pretty long a link will be in the show notes uh i highly encourage you to check it out chris time to clean up the episode let's hear a question from our listeners what's our question this week so this one comes from just nobody fqwl um, what instant or sorcery from Throne of Aldrain deserves its own Magus card? So, what a Magus is, um, 
So there's Magus at the wheel where you tap and everyone wheels their hand. Wheel of Fortune is everyone discards their hands, then draw seven. So Magus of the wheel is a wheel of fortune on a body. So it's pretty much a instant or sorcery that's been put onto a creature. Another example is Magus of the Moon, and that one... It's actually enchantment. Uh, Blood Moon mm-hmm. has been put onto a creature. So, so so we decided, you know, let's go through Eldraine and figure out some instants and sorceries. Joe decided on some of the instants, and, and I grabbed the sorceries. And Joe, let's start with yours. So one of the instants I thought had become kind of iconic from uh, Throne of Eldraine was Return of the Wild Speaker. When you look at all of the cards that, that have become a Magus card, a lot of them are very iconic cards. You know, and like Magus of the Wheel, Magus of the Moon, um, Magus of the Moat, Creatures Without Flying Can't Attack should go back. Magus of the Moon, Non-Basic Lands or Mountains... So there's a lot of these Magus cards that were instant sorceries or enchantments that just they, they were very iconic and, and played frequently, and so they became creature cards too. When I looked at some of the instants and sorceries, like I said, Return of the Wild Speaker just kind of jumped out as one of those cards that sees a lot of play, um, maybe not so much in the standard format, but especially in Commander. It's one of the best most recent green card draw spells. So I was thinking, you know, it it would probably work pretty well. You could actually, you would have to choose one or the other. Return of the Wild Speaker says, draw cards equal to the greatest power among non-human creatures you control, or non-human creatures you control get plus three, plus three until end of turn. I think either one of those abilities on a body would be great, and you could still probably ask for five mana, tap the creature in order to make it happen repeatedly. So just, I think it's a very iconic card. Something that is used a lot would be a great Magus card. So so for mine, ironically, well, it just so happened that all of the cards that I chose actually are all adventure cards, so another subtype. Yay, theme. Um, uh, the first one that I'm going to do is... Uh, it's Oaken Boon. Um, so for an Oaken Boon, three and a green, uh, for a sorcery, put two plus one plus one counters on target creature. So with that, I mean, it's, you're putting counters onto creatures. And so that would actually be a really good one just because oh, yeah. it'd be mono. It, it would find a really nice home in Mono Green Stompy. Absolutely. And the fact that it says target creature, it can target itself. So, And you can do it at instant speed. So if someone were to mm-hmm. try and destroy it, you can go, tap, I'm making it bigger. Nothing happens. Right. Well, and it, it was it, that, that card in particular was, if I remember correctly, uh, before Lucky Clover got banned, I think that was an important part of the Adventures deck. Uh, was, you know, Oak and Boon, being able to put counters on stuff. So, yeah. Joe, what's your next Magus? Uh, the only other Magus I picked was an adventure card. The creature to which, it's a, which it is attached is actually Murderous Rider. But the, the instant, the adventure instant that it is attached to, it is called Swift End. It's one and two black. 
Uh, destroy target creature or planeswalker, you lose two life. This is another card. It was seen, it, it saw a lot of play, especially when Eldraine first came out. It's kind of fallen off a little bit, it's not quite as common, but that ability to destroy target creature or planeswalker, especially planeswalker, um, and then you just, for cost of two life and you'd have to pay some mana, again, I just think it's another one of those iconic cards from Throne of Eldraine that would be easily seen on a repeatable you know, effect on a creature. So, that was it. So I actually have two more. One of them is more of the, like, more serious one, and then the other one is just for fun. All right. Um, the first one is from Curry Favor. Um, it's a sorcery adventure um, from uh, Smitten Swordmaster is the creature that it's attached to. Um, but what Curry Favor does is you gain X life, and each opponent loses X life, where X is the number of knights you control. So... Yeah, it would be a little bit more of a niche. Magus, oh, absolutely. But I mean, the two things that st that you know kind of like stood out to me was one gaining life, and yeah. two it says each opponent. So if you're playing like commander game, wow, oh, that would be a magus that would be more useful. Yep, yeah, it would reach. It could. It would affect all of your opponents instead of just one. Right. Um, and then so you have to play knight tribal it's a black one so mardu knights is a thing oh yeah like you could easily make that happen oh yeah knight tribal is actually kind of popular yeah um and then the second one now this one's the this one's just the funny one okay and it's uh the creature card for this adventure is uh rose thorn acolyte but the adventure one is seasonal ritual for green uh Add one mana of any color, so it would be a Magus mana dork. And I was just like, I saw that, and I was like, how can I not pass up that? I mean, which is, I mean, it would be funny to have a Magus as that. Actually, the name alone would put it in the next unset. Mag Magus of the mana dorks. <laughs> Tap. Add one mana of any color. <laughs> well, he, well, here's the thing. After thinking about it, um, we kind of already have one. Yeah. Birds of Paradise. We do. But, yeah. I mean, it would just be funny to have a Magus, like, have a Magus that that's only a mana dork. Yeah, yeah, and, like I said, again, it's a solid card, you know. It would be it would be interesting. So, that's kind of our answers to this week's question. I know it didn't go quite as in-depth as we have with some of our other questions, but that was a clever idea. It required some outside-the-box thinking, and... Gave you a little bit of an insight as to who you know who we are and what we think about when we're evaluating cards ourselves. So, Chris, if the, if our listeners have a question for us, how do they get in touch with us? Alrighty, so you can actually contact us two ways: by email and Twitter. You can email us at mtgunderthehood at gmail.com, or you can find us on the Twitters at mtgunderthehood. Thank you for listening to this episode of MTG Under the Hood. I'm Chris. And I'm Joe. We look forward to delving deeper under the hood with you in our next episode. Stay tuned.